everybody, welcome to a brand shipanking new episode of That's Odd. I am one of your hosts, I am Jean A. Townsend, I am joined by the impeccable Christopher Chavez. I would like to be known as Christophe moving forward. Christophe Chavez. That's fair, that is fair, Christophe. Chavez, Chavez. Christophe Chavez. There you go. Oh, it sounds like a, a fine wine. As, a, as I am. As yeah. I am. Getting better with age, huh? That That's what? what they tell me, man. <laughs> Either that Who's or, they? or the senilities just kicking in. I don't know. The voices, right? Yeah. Oh, I love the voices. They <laughs> help me get through the day. <laughs> How's it going, dude? It's going well. Going well. How are you? Oh, man. I'm awesome. You know, busy. Life is good. Can't complain. We were just talking a little bit before we started recording. A year ago today was like 180. So, I honestly, I can't complain. Yes. Yes, it's, uh, you gotta be, life is a roller coaster, as they say, Christoph. Or, I've heard life is a highway. I've uh, never heard that, except for through two songs. That were also, the song. I'd like to ride it all night long. Uh, that's a different song as well, so, uh, huh. <laughs> this is, that's odd. This is not Vinyl Divers. <laughs> vinyl Divers, which you can also find on this very same network. Yes, sir. You're welcome, Anthony. That'll be 20 bucks. <laughs> I'm Free shout out. Him, I'm going to send him a bill. He's like, what the hell is this for? Uh, advertising, <laughs> asshole. <laughs> Never once have I listened to a show. No, that's not true. I've listened to one or two. I can't lie. <laughs> that's amazing, I'll, dude. I'll listen to some. I can't lie. <laughs> oh, that's great, dude. But this is, that's odd. This is not any other show that you can find on BICVP-radio.com. That's right. That is right. We. This is the... Uh, the sister to history creeps yes that uh, that just needs as much love as possible yes. or maybe it's just me maybe i'm putting myself onto it <laughs> <laughs> that sounds awkward um yeah for people who might be new to this so if you listen to history creeps that's odd is kind of a spin-off show like johnny said uh but we do we we cover things that are typically not something i mean we could take any of these and, and you know spread them out for over an hour, hour and a half with Carter. But these are typically stories or, or little things we find throughout history that we can, can kind of condense into a shorter episode and, and hit you know just weird, odd, you know unexplained things throughout history. Exactly, exactly. Now, Kristoff, uh, we do have a brand new segment that well, it's not really brand new anymore. We've we've been doing it now. For yes. a while. Yes. Uh, we open history creeps with uh, current creeps, things happening in the news. So with That's Odd, we open with now. That's odd. So here's the deal. Um, MSN.com is reporting that a four-legged prehistoric whale fossil was found in Peru. Now, did you hear what I said there? I heard whale, and then my brain... Like it's short circuited because I thought I also heard four legs. Four legged prehistoric whale fossil found in Peru. So, paleontologists have found a well preserved fossil of a four legged amphibian ancestor of whales, a discovery that sheds new light on the mammal's transition from land to ocean. The ancestors of whales and dolphins walked on Earth about 50 million years ago in the regions that now comprise India and Pakistan. This I did not know. Did you ever learn this in school, that that, that whales at one point walked on land or dolphins? 
<laughs> Chris, I'm from the South. We don't learn stuff like that. <laughs> Paleontologists have previously found partial fossils of the species in North America that were 41.2 million years old, suggesting that by this time, the cetaceans had lost the ability to carry their own weight and walk on the earth. So basically, these animals got so big that their legs couldn't carry them. So I wonder what that in-between looks like. It's just this like kind of sad, you know, oversized, uh, you know, animals sitting on the beach's edge just trying to wriggle itself into the water. Yeah, it kind of like those, uh, like the humans in Wall-E. <laughs> oh, God. That's kind of that's kind of the picture of getting my head here. <laughs> the new specimen described in a study published Thursday in the Journal of Current Biology is 42.6 million years old and provides fresh information on the evolution of cetaceans. The fossil was found about 0.6 miles inland from Peru uh, Peru's Pacific coast at Playa Media Luna. Uh, its mandibles grazed the desert soil, and during excavations, the researchers found the lower jaw, teeth, vertebrae, ribs, parts of front and back legs, and even the whale ancestors' long fingers that were likely webbed. Now, imagine if it wasn't webbed. These things had fingers, too? I don't know. I mean, if it's just... It kind of sounds like it was sort of like a, uh, you know, like the uh, the brontosauruses or whatever, the dinosaurs. Yeah. To me, so maybe it was just like literally was four legs. There was no fingers or anything. I don't know. It says pieces. That's a of, good question. Yeah, it's crazy. It says pieces of four-legged whales have been found in Egypt, Nigeria, Togo, Senegal, and Western Sahara, but they were so fragmented that it is impossible to decisively conclude whether they could swim. Uh, if the whale in Peru could swim like an otter, the researchers hypothesized that it likely crossed the Atlantic from the western coast of Africa to South America. As a result of the continental drift, the distance was half of that today, around 800 miles, and the east-west current of the time would have facilita facilitated their travel. Uh, this is crazy, man. So four-legged whales, like like you said, your brain kind of short circuits when you think yeah. of that. If you if you want to check it out, on uh, just look up four-legged whale uh, fossil found. And Isn't the there's these these illustrations of nothing that looks like a whale whatsoever but this must be what the 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 ancestor looked like i feel like isn't there a fish today that walks on land sometimes i feel like there is really am i making this up old greg <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> you know old greg no he sounds oh, like a nice chap you gotta check out old greg online dude he's awesome i'll send you links <laughs> okay i'm old greg <laughs> I don't know the reference, uh, but if, I am if, on board. If listeners listen to that, they'll know what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, so that's actually pretty odd, dude. I never in my life would have put to it like 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 you said. It almost short circuits reading that that headline. Your brain goes, "Wait, what?" You read it five yeah. or six times before you figure out like that's what they mean. That that's that's pretty wicked. That's weird, wild stuff. It is. It is for sure. For yes, sure. sir. Yes, sir. So there you go, man. All right, so let's let's go from that walking whale of a tail. Uh, Chris, I think I'm going to go first today. Oh, you do it, man. You do it. All right, thank you for thank you just for everything, <laughs> <laughs> just for everything. You want to uh, thank the Academy for? I want to. Th <laughs> uh, it's just an honor to be nominated for one. Uh, 
I want to thank both Jesus and Satan to cover all my bases. <laughs> and Buddha. And Buddha. Yeah, yeah. The, the list goes on and on. Uh, and uh, the the Rajesh. I want to thank them as well. And Lindsay <laughs> What a Lohan. great segue. Lindsay what a great Lohan. segue, Johnny. Go oh, ahead. Yeah, of course. Uh, my segue was with Rajesh. I'm very proud of that segue. Uh, a lady by the name of Shannon Joe Ryan in 1981 joined a group, a cult, if you will, known as the Rajesh. Now, listeners may be familiar with that name because there was a very, very uh, good documentary series that came on Netflix maybe a year or two ago uh, called Wild Wild Country, which is mm-hmm. all about this group, the the, the Rajesh. And I'm, so I do want to cover them at some point, but I do feel that we need to say some bullet points, so to say, about this group, so you kind of know who we're talking about here. Like a little preface, like a little a yeah. little teaser to a, a full-length episode in the future. Correct, correct. So the Rajesh, uh, they came to America looking for a uh, a small town that they felt they would be kind of left alone, and that they could kind of grow their own crops and foods and kind of have a self-sustaining type of society for themselves. I'd like to know, did the Rajesh grow hashish? I don't know. Good question. Hashish from Rajesh. <laughs> Just rolls off the tongue. The Rajesh hashish. The Rajesh hashish. Uh, oh, hashish. <laughs> uh, they, uh, so they, I think it was in Oregon. It was, one, it was out west. They found a small town. I mean, it was really small. This is on the documentary, too, which I, re- I do recommend. Uh, and uh, they kind of ended up taking this town over to the point where there was more of them than there were of the original townspeople. Uh, they infiltrated the local offices there, even. Uh, and it was not unusual to walk around that town and just see people, because they had a certain type of way that they would dress, like a certain color they would wear. And you'd see these people walking around with that. Now, that by itself is fine. There's nothing to be really mad about overall with that. However, uh, it, they ended up basically trying to poison the whole town near them by like going into different restaurants and such and poisoning the food. What? And that kind of led to their downfall. It technically, it was attempted murder because some people got really, really sick. I would hope it would lead to the downfall. <laughs> Yes. Like, so imagine like, oh, the you know what? We're just going to turn a blind eye. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, don't eat the buffet. <laughs> uh, but uh, basically, the um, the Rajesh, the head honcho, tried to flee. He gets caught and he's put in jail for so long. And then he's let go and he's let out. I think he's since passed away. Um, and and the uh, there's like important leaders in the group and such. And that was. And, and Shannon. Ryan was not a not one of the leaders. However, she did join the group. Now, uh, this is from a 1981 article from the Washington Post. Uh, this is in her own words here. Uh, I've heard other people say if the Bhagwan, that's what the leader of the Rajesh is called, asked them to kill themselves, they would do it. If Bhagwan asked them to kill someone else, they would do it. I don't know if I trust in him in, in is that total. I would like it to be, and I don't believe he would ever do that. Well, here's a spoiler alert. He does eventually do that. 
um, she was considered to be very soft-spoken and almost shy at times. And to be fair, she just went through a tragedy. She just recently lost her father not too long before this. Uh, and when they're doing this interview, this is how the the uh, the reporter kind of describes her. She says, The soft-spoken graduate of the University of California returned from Rajneesh's retreat in Pune, India during the Christmas holidays and discussed her relationship with him during an interview in the living room of her mother's home here. She wore a colorful beaded necklace with a picture of Rajesh, Ra, uh, Rajneesh hanging, uh, hanging from it. And she from said that necklace? although... It, hold, hold on, the picture was yes. hanging from her necklace? Yes. She was yes. like the flavor flave of this this like <laughs> yes. religious cult? <laughs> well, they all kind of did that too. Uh, and even, <laughs> uh, part even of the like out, some... Part of the outfit. Yeah, yes. <laughs> uh, and she said that although it frightened her mother when she talks of returning to there... She plans to go back later this year. I was I was against having a guru or of having somebody be my leader and tell me what to do, she said, when she was introduced to the Rajneesh uh, through a friend in Berkeley, California. I didn't feel like putting myself into a vulnerable position to somebody like that. But once she was in Pune, she said, she found out she was not being pressured to surrender to anybody, so she says, and was told that she was free to leave any time. And instead, she began to experience a kind of spiritual growth that she felt had been missing from her life. And for that reason, decided to take, uh, this is, it's called, I'm not going to be able to pronounce this, but in, whatever it's called when you become an official follower of the Rajneesh. So, this in itself is pretty wild, right? When you, yeah. when, I mean, imagine being this, this girl's mother. No. Oh. I mean, the the father had just passed away recently. I mean, just two years before this. And then the daughter is basically in this cult. Everybody knows it's a cult. Mm-hmm. And she's in, and she's she's just all in it. And just so everybody knows, I'm pretty sure this cult still exists today. It's just nowhere near as big as it used to be. And it gets even more wild from there, Chris, because here comes the twist. Uh-oh. Her father had died two years ago, but 1979. He, but he came back. <laughs> no. <laughs> 1979. Okay. Uh, which happens to be the year that Jonestown happened. Oh, oh, wait. Did he die at Jonestown? He died at Jonestown because her father <gasps> was the late Republican Leo J. Ryan. <gasps> what? Who was, who was the senator who went down there to see... Yeah. You know, to see how everything was doing, and when he was trying to leave the area, he was gunned down along with four other people. On the airstrip. We've covered this. Yes. 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 So he was one of the ones that was gunned down and killed right then and there. Wow. And that's right before over 900 people took their their own lives, and some were were murdered, depending on how you want to look at it. that's so sad, dude. Right after that. So can you imagine being this mom? No. Like, that is, like, why would you, (laughs) like, it just seems, it seems just... Be it'd be the farthest thing out of my mind that the daughter would f- would want to be in a any anything that could be even remotely considered a cult after what happened to her. Also, dad. like what the heck was going on with sixties and seventies where cults were so influential, dude? Like, what's up with? Because I mean, we hear about cults here, and there wasn't there the more recent one with like that 
that uh celebrity that woman that gets branded it's some with all these yeah. women like sex slaves or some shit uh, yes. So that's what you, you hear that that's still a thing, right? And and obviously it is, but it feels like the stories from the sixties and seventies are these cults that are just so like that they've literally permeated pop culture, or permeated our actual like just history. You know what I mean? Yeah, and and obviously this was brought up to to her and Ryan. She was twenty eight at the time of this interview. Says she considers the Indian guru a present day uh, Jesus or Buddha or Muhammad. But she said she sees no irony in her allegiance to him after what happened to her father. Nor does she believe there are any parallels with Jones and the People's Temple. Oh, so that's even, that's even more. She can't even see it. That's crazy, dude. And here's here's how she justifies the differences. What Jones created was a prison, and what Bogwan has created is a way out of the prison of ordinary life. Just total freedom is what he is all about. So she's trying to say that it's different because you can go I mean, if you want to. Yes. Except he makes jump. it so you don't want to. Also, he probably yeah. makes it psychologically at some point where not even are you like brainwashed to, to not want to. But if you do, there's this weird pressure of going against what everyone else is there for. So here's the deal. You're in a regular – like you live in society right now. We live in a regular society. You live in a house. You can go out in the world. You're going to hear people say they believe this, they believe that. And it's there's always different things happening around you. So you don't feel alienated if you feel a specific way because there's going to still be people around you in that way. But when you deal with these kinds of things, the way they separate you from family and friends and they get you around of every you know, around a whole mass of people who all think the same way. So if at any point you start to think differently, now you're the weirdo and you're the one who's odd and you don't want, most humans don't want to be singled out that way. You don't want to be the different person. And, and honestly, it's good for you to be challenged at times. Yeah. And and if everybody thinks the same, that's just never going to happen. That's why I always find it very funny. And we don't get political in this show, but I always find it really funny where either side of the political spectrum only gets their news from places that specifically do that type of news. Yeah, pander to their their thoughts already, which I get. You can do that, but why don't you? I mean, that's fine. And not even not to be not about watching news from the other side of it, but look look at news that's completely neutral that has zero zero stock in what's happening. You know what I'm saying? Or uh, just or just see what's on the far one side and then look at the what's on the far other side and in the middle is probably about what's right. Yeah. Or just kind of put them together and start morphing them and mutating them into a creature. Yeah. <laughs> and have your own cult. That's how it starts. <laughs> That's how you do it, man. Yeah. That's I mean, pretty this, this, dude. This is wild. This road, I can't yeah. wait to get into this documentary for the show, especially since it's got that tie to our earlier episode on Jonestown. Well, what's even more wild about this is she tries to, and I get it because she's a part of the group and she wants to say it's something different. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, there's just the Rajneesh, uh, even at one point, the Bhagwan, uh, when they wanted to get more uh, uh, offices in the town, mm-hmm. they literally would bus in homeless people and have them vote and keep them there for a little bit. But when they couldn't hold them anymore, basically they used them for the vote. They kicked them off, kicked them out. Obviously, yeah. So they fed them for a little bit and then just kicked them out. Yeah. But while they were there, but while they were there, they made sure people knew that they were helping the homeless. Obviously, right? Yeah, we're we're helping the homeless, man. Yeah. While it's while it benefits us, we're taking care of the homeless. Yeah, dude, that's crazy. That's actually uh, it's pretty wild, 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 crazy stuff. It is. It is. Well, what you got? Well, what I've got is 1969. 1969. Oh, yeah. So, are you familiar with Apollo 11? 
Yes. Obviously, right? Um, if, if, space if, if you grew up in this country, uh, you've heard about the Apollo missions. You've heard about the 1969 era of NASA, uh, our trips to the moon, our first trips to the moon. You know, first we went out there to kind of, uh, what do we do? We orbited it a few times, came back. Uh, and then we had Apollo 11, which went out there to actually land on the moon and put man on the moon. First time man steps on the moon. Uh, I'm going to read this just from uh, from Wikipedia real quick. For anybody who may not know the background, so Apollo 11 was a space flight that landed the first two people on the moon. Commander Neil Armstrong and lunar module pilot Buzz Aldrin, both American, landed the Apollo lunar module Eagle on July 20th, 1969 at 8.17 UTC. What's UTC? I don't know that 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 specific one. Uh, I believe oh, it's... it's- it's moon time. Yeah, it's coordinated universal time. It's primary oh. time standard by which the world regulates clocks and time. It's within about one second of mean solar time, whatever all that nonsense means. Anyway. There's a lot of words. Exactly. Armstrong became the first person to step onto the lunar surface six hours Allegedly, later. Chris. Allegedly. <laughs> six hours later, though. So apparently they had been sitting there for six hours before he got out. Uh, and Aldrin, Aldrin joined him. 19 minutes later, they spent about two and a quarter hours together outside the spacecraft, collected 47.5 pounds of lunar material to bring back to Earth. Uh, it's a famous. It's, a, it's one of those most famous moments in man mankind's yeah. history. You know, one I mean? small step for man. Exactly. One giant leap for mankind. Exactly. Exactly. Here's the. Th- so I want to get into this part. I want to get into the part where they've landed. They got out. Um, we. So what we heard is it took six hours, right? Initially, Armstrong had difficulty squeezing through the hatch uh, with his portable lifesaver, his life support system. Yeah. Have you seen how small that thing actually is? Yeah. Yeah. Tiny. Very small. And when you yeah. look at what they were wearing on their backs and all these things, it's it's insane. It says that some of the highest heart rates that were recorded from the Apollo astronauts occurred during this time when they were coming in and out of the of the the module. Um, Apparently, Armstrong began his descent to the lunar surface. The remote control units on his chest kept him from seeing his feet. So climbing down the nine-run ladder was slightly difficult for him. Um, You know, Apollo 11 at the time was using a slow-scan television, which was incompatible with broadcast TV. So it was displayed on a special monitor and a conventional so on earth a monitor showed showed what was being shown on this thing right and then a conventional tv camera viewed this monitor which basically really uh, reduced the quality of the picture the signal was received at goldstone in the united states but with better fidelity through canberra australia so basically what was happening is these signals were coming in they were hitting in australia uh minutes later the feed was switched over uh to a radio telescope uh, and, and then and then broadcast to TV. So everything that people were watching, uh, which I didn't say at the beginning of this, uh, this was broadcast to TV. Everybody in, in, in 1969 who had a television set was able to see this for the first time, what it was happening outside of our planet. Um, so they're watching this, and it's on a delay. It's on a few minutes delay, right? Uh, where was I here? So what? So oh, here's another little piece of this. So despite some technical difficulties and weather difficulties, ghostly black and white images of the first lunar uh, EVA were received and broadcast to at least 600 million people on Earth. 
Think about that. 600 million people witnessed this with their eyes minutes after it was happening. Well, who who would miss this? I mean, this is the first time in human history. Ever, right? Copies yeah. of this video in broadcast format were saved and are widely available, but recordings of the original slow scan source transmission from the lunar surface were likely destroyed during a routine magnetic tape reuse at NASA. That's a, That becomes important, okay? So you're saying the original is gone. The original thing that came off that slow scan uh, that fed to the yeah. monitor where TV broadcasters were taking that is missing. Okay. And that's important because according to NASA, the dark side of the moon is filled with significantly more craters and less of, of smooth, dark, you know, what we see normally. It's, it's, it's super rough. Uh, while these guys were, were wandering around on the moon, about two and a half hours, two and a quarter hours, right? They're walking around. They're picking up sand and, and rocks and all these things. On Earth, people are watching this, and, and they're glued to their television sets, right? And then uh, I don't I remember how long into it. I believe it's like an hour, an hour and a half in. All of a sudden, the feed on, in, on Earth cuts out. And people are staring at the screen going, what the heck happened, right? And this is all over Earth, not just like in one part of the the, the planet. Like every feed goes out for, for a little bit over two minutes. And during that time, there's a thing that comes up on the screen or, or somebody says, but it's, it, it basically lets people know that what's happening now is because of, you know, the position of our planet and where the Earth is and the moon and solar flares or something like that, that it's experiencing weather difficulties, right? Right. Um. But that is not that is not what do you know what a ham radio is? Yes. Okay. So back it's in the delicious. Yes, back in the fifties and sixties, uh, these radios, there were these there these kind of uh, you know, wavelength radios that that enthusiasts, people who had these hobbies and in, in, in using these and listening to different frequencies uh, and picking up different frequencies, they would buy these. You could hook them up in your, in your garage. And, and there's those, you know, for me, when I hear ham radio is that image in my mind of like an enthusiast in his garage late at night, you know, listening in with his headphones on, on like truckers going by or whatever the police yeah. scanner is saying, or, you know, maybe, maybe it's a radio station from Tokyo that they were just able to find the, the wavelength for the radio signal for hundreds of people around our, our our globe who are ham radio enthusiasts pick up a radio signal and apparently what happened when everything was lost on on the the, the footage that was coming in was that neil armstrong switched the broadcast to a special it was a special private medical line so like these astronauts are out in space and they had a they had a thing where they could they would be able to talk to the you know and, and everybody on the earth would see it but there were other channels that they could switch to if they needed to talk to their personal doctor and say hey i'm feeling this i'm feeling overheated what you know what i'm saying or or they if, if there was something of of a, a sensitive nature that they needed to talk to nasa well apparently neil armstrong switched over to a specific channel and um, this is all comes from reports from people who picked up this signal. Okay. There's no, like I said before, the originals have been destroyed. So the only thing we do have contains that two minute, two and a half minute break. But from 
hundreds of witnesses who have had who had their ham radios, you know, tuned to this specific channel at that time. Uh, or maybe they had been listening in on the main channel and when they heard it go out, tried, you know, feverishly to find something and caught on to this. Apparently, this is the transcript that followed, okay? Apollo 11. Those are giant things. No, 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 this is not an optical illusion. Knowing it's going to believe this. And NASA says, what? What? What the hell is happening? What's wrong with you? Apollo 11 says, they're here, under the surface. NASA, what's there? Muffled, there's muffling noise here. There's an emission interrupted. Then he says, interference control calling Apollo 11. Apollo 11 says, we saw some visitors. They were here for a while, observing of the instruments. NASA, repeat your last information. Apollo 11, I say that there were other spaceships. They're lined up on the other side of the crater. Apollo 11 then says, let us sound this orbit in 625 to 5. Automatic relay connected. My hands are shaking so badly I can't do anything. Film it? God, if these damned cameras have picked up anything, then what? NASA, what have you picked up? Apollo 11, I didn't have any film at hand. Three shots of the saucers or whatever they were, uh, it ruined the film. NASA, control, control here. Are you on your way? What is the uproar with the UFOs? Over? Apollo, they've landed there. They're, there they are. They're watching us. NASA, the mirrors, the mirrors. Have you set them up? Apollo, yes. They're in the right place, but whoever made those spaceships surely can come tomorrow and remove them. Over and out. And then... The feed cuts back in, and it shows Buzz and, and 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 Neil Armstrong collecting data and talking, and you know, basically going back about to what we all have seen in this footage. Um, so, what makes the exchange seem like it could be? So, some people think it could be fabricated because a lot of times uh, NASA is referred to as Houston, not Mission Control, but they have con called themselves Mission Control in the past. That doesn't really say anything. Um, and the other thing is, is they say, you know, that they, they don't have the camera, the, the footage, the audio, none of it. But Neil Armstrong apparently said, was said to have disclosed his account of what he and Aldrin saw to uh, some professor during a NASA symposium. So in, in the annals of like conspiracy theories and stuff, there's this, this, this recording that supposedly exists where a professor says, so what really happened out there with Apollo 11? And Armstrong says it was incredible. Of course, we had always known there was a possibility. The fact is, we were warned off. There was never any questions then of a space station or a moon city. The professor says, how do you mean warned off? Armstrong says, I can't go into details except to say that their ships were far superior to ours, both in size and technology. Boy, they were big and menacing. No, there's no question of a space station. Professor says, but NASA had other missions after Apollo 11. And Armstrong says, naturally, NASA was committed at that time and couldn't risk a panic on Earth. But it really was quick scoop and back again, which is true, right? Like how we've not really been to the moon to do anything on the moon since. Well, they famously, what, like years ago, say they're not going to have a mission for a while. Didn't they say that? Yeah. There are. I feel like they did. So there are these weird things. So apparently you can go on NASA's website to type in dark side of the moon or far side of the moon. Because if, if, if people don't realize the moon doesn't rotate, 
the moon just faces us a specific way and that's how it goes around our planet so we the the side of the moon we see at all times is always the same side no no one with our own eyes have seen the other side of the moon through a telescope we've only seen it through photographs from from satellites um and there's a lot of people who are, are are experts in photography and experts in digital imagery who say like the photos that NASA supplies for that dark side of the moon are completely doctored. Like they, you can go online and pull up these things. Just look up doctored dark side of the moon photos, and you'll see. Uh, not only a bunch of Pink Floyd albums, but you'll see um, these pictures. It looks like there's all these weird smudges that I mean, you know, looks like somebody went in with Photoshop and kind of airbrushed stuff so we couldn't see it. Um, there was a, a, a. I mean, anybody can do that though. You don't need no education. No, not at all. <laughs> nice. I see what you did there. Uh, <laughs> but here's the thing, like, like. Y- there's there's all all kind like people who want to get into this stuff and what's on the dark side of the moon and whether or not there's actual life out there or other other bases. Uh, you'll find reports of all kinds of military personnel and government officials who have come out saying this is the case. They've seen photographs of these bases. They've seen um you, they've seen the actual the, the the actual you know photos and heard the transmissions from the Apollo the Apollo eleven uh, uh a mission. Um, you remember. Did you ever see that movie, um, Men Staring at Goats? Is, wasn't it like a weird kind of comedy? Well, yeah, it was a weird comedy, but it was based on a true story. And it was based on the, the, the time in the 60s, 50s and 60s when the CIA was trying to use people, like people who claimed to have like clairvoyance, tried to have them visually yes. see things right. outside. And there's a story where they, they brought in a guy uh, to see if he could uh, project his, you know, what was happening on the moon, and that they'd gotten this information. This guy talked about there being bases and these domes and these large spires and towers and stuff. And so the idea was is that this spurned the Apollo missions, and the Apollo missions had two, like uh, two sides to the story. There was the public story where it was one small step for man, you know, uh, in this in the, in this decade we're going to go to the moon type of thing. Uh, and the other one was to see what's out there. Do we need to figure out a defense against it? Um, can we build something out there ourselves, you know, as a first line of defense? Uh, and and so so the idea is is that there was these two things. Um, also, go, you can look it up online. Buzz Aldrin is very vocal about things he's seen himself. Uh, he doesn't, he doesn't hide the fact that he believes in UFOs and aliens and it, and it's, and it all spawns from his mission to the moon and his other missions in space. Uh, it's really interesting stuff, but I find it odd. That's odd. I find it odd that we have like NASA has all of these other pieces of footage from before Apollo 11 after Apollo 11. But for some reason, we don't have the most important pieces of footage in mankind's history, like the human race's history. We don't have that footage, do we? We don't have the original footage when we first set foot on another, uh, uh, you know, another astral plane of existence. Like, like it's how do we not have that? Yeah, that'd be one of my bigger questions. Would be that, and I don't even know if like this is a. And this is a wild, wild story, obviously. I mean, it's like I'm very torn on this one. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, but, I mean, that's a great question, I think. That would be my number one question is why don't we have the original footage? 
Like, where is it at? How do you how do you lose that? They said that it had something to do with when they were re-upping and doing something with the footage that some magnetic thing happened and destroyed just this one specific Apollo 11 oh, yeah. mission yeah. footage. Cause, yeah, because the people at NASA wouldn't know something that smart people would know, <laughs> right? That's the part that would irritate me. NASA is literally the smartest people in the world, <laughs> you I would feel think. like. <laughs> you would think. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying I'm not saying even smart people don't make mistakes. <laughs> I'm, I make them all the time, but it, it's just a weird coincidence. That's I think that's the thing too that really helps fuel a lot of the conspiracy stuff is when there's a coincidence, mm-hmm. and it's really hard to to like people just don't want to think that something just happened because it happened it there has to be a reason for it true i think and because sometimes there are reasons for it and sometimes it's just happened because it happened yeah i think for me what what lends credence to the conspiracy theory is the fact that it wasn't just one person that said oh i was on my ham radio and this is what i heard it was corroborated it was many people reporting having heard this weird interchange between what seemed to be the astronauts on the plane on the moon and nasa yeah, and I mean it's obvious NASA would hide stuff. I mean that that yeah. right there wouldn't wouldn't shock me. Obviously, I mean, there's been plenty of times where even recently, where there'd be like a weird object that they'd catch, yep. and then all of a sudden they, they act like it wasn't there or something like that. Yeah, speaking of weird object, this they do still have. Um, so on the on the craft, uh, Neil Armstrong had a video camera, and while they were fl- when they were on their way to the moon, they felt like there was a weird object tracking them, and he films it. He literally films it, and this is is available, and you can hear the audio where he's asking NASA, "Could that be one of the boosters that had detached?" Uh, you know, however long ago, and they said, "No, it wasn't the right coordinates." What is it they're seeing? And he says something along the lines of like, "There's a white dot, something or other." Um, so this is there, but yeah, dude, it's it's. You know, it's it's one of those things. If you're a believer, uh, you obviously have the thought, the, the the train of thought where NASA has released lots of footage now where they're showing where astronauts and space missions have caught weird things flying, right? Like in through space. Oh yeah, all the time. But this, for me, like that's that's a it could be it could be space debris. That's why it's okay to release because you could still write it off. For for them to to release audio where Neil Armstrong literally says their ships are parked along the edge of the crater across the way, you know what I mean? They're watching yeah. us, kind of a thing. Like that's that's damning. That's that's so like real. And at that time, you can understand their fear of what it would do to the American public. Oh yeah, I mean, I get that hundred percent. Yeah, but yeah, it's yeah. I I never once like I think if you just try to think about how vast and humongous the universe is, uh, that it just doesn't make any sense that we're the only ones in it. Yeah. That just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. So agree. Uh, I think, I think the biggest question is would an, a civilization that is so, uh, vast, that is so, uh, ahead of ours, would they waste time to come visit us? <laughs> you know? Well, there's, I, I've seen this. We're, we're not that great, Chris. I literally saw an article probably in the past week where the, the idea, the, there was some idea that was posed out there that we're literally just part of a zoo for alien alien beings. Like, they come here to observe us because we're such a low form of, of evolution, such a low form of intelligence. It's like the way we go to the zoo and watch animals yeah. in their habitat. They come here to observe us in our habitat. I'm, that makes sense. 
Yeah. I mean, I, that makes more sense to me than anything else. <laughs> yeah, it seems like that might be the case, yeah. uh, which is sad for us. We need to get on our game here. Uh, for sure, for sure. But yeah, that's that's some good stuff, though. Yes, sir. Uh, dude, I love that. Again, it feels like this episode was one of these episodes where both subject matters we could cover concisely, yet there's so much more to it. If we wanted to, we could pull these into deeper, darker history creeps uh, episodes. Oh, for sure, for sure, for sure. Yep, I like that one a lot. That's kind of it's kind of chilling, kind of chilling in a way. Yep. I mean, could you imagine if you're one of the ones on the on the ham radio and you're listening to that? Oh God, dude! And then who believes you, right? Yeah, nobody's gonna believe you. Nah. No, you. I if if that was me and I was listening and I was hearing that stuff, I wouldn't believe me. <laughs> you know? Yeah, because it's like the last thing you you would think. Uh, but yeah, oh man, that's a good one, Chris. I like that one a lot. Yep. Yep. Liked it a lot. Well, Chris, I think it's time to turn out the lights and get out of this dadgum clubhouse. All what right. do you think? I'm, I'm hitting the lights. Uh, I'm grabbing a bottle of water on my way out. All right, that's good. That's good. Uh, so we'll we'll catch all of you later next time on History Creeps or That's Odd, whichever one we decide to give you. Uh, thanks for listening. We appreciate all of you. And as always, for Christophe Chavez, Chavez. I say, oh, sorry. <clears throat> for Christophe Chavez, I am Johnny Townsend. I invite you to stay. Ah. Oh.